Hi, my name is Aaron McManus, and this is the Battle Ready Podcast, and I'm here joined by my father. I'm Erwin McManus, and I am Aaron's co-pilot here on the Battle Ready. And this week, we have kind of an interesting one. We tried something out on Tuesday where we just answered emails, and it was really cool because I was hoping to get through like five or six or seven of them. We really only got to two, and then we got a, we got one today that I thought was kind of interesting, and it was one that was like a little critical, maybe well, calling it, was, it heretical. It, it was pretty long. Rather and, long. And they seem to really love you and to be really uncertain about me. I think they loved me for the wrong reasons. No, no, it seems like the right reasons, but I, I thought it feels a little adversarial, a little, a little bit of an edge to it, so we thought we should actually read it and talk about it. And you have to understand, we're, we're, we're strong people, but we're also sensitive people too. So there's some moments I was kind of I was like, hey, I got an interesting email. Maybe they're calling you a bit of a heretic, but they said they love me. So should I read it to you or so do you I like not them right away? I, no, I didn't like them. You know, we're we're together on this. We're together Absolutely. on this. We're not competitive, except for when we played basketball. You were 62 and you shot the lights out of the house last night. It was and fun I to just get say that. back on the court after having knee surgery, almost exactly five weeks later, getting on the court and. Um, and just reminding myself that uh, I'm not ready to finish my season. I on the watched court. <laughs> you steal the ball from my friend Carlos, who's my age or younger than me. Steal the ball. He's a great basketball player. I'm an average basketball player. Now you're. Really you good. stole the ball. You did a step back three pointer, one foot, and and I just watched his face. He just couldn't believe it and it was game point and it was it and the game was over and 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 you know we have a secret quarantine game that we kind of have a undisclosed location for those of us who are in the bubble together we're in the bubble it's sure we'll, we'll go we're in the bubble so i'm gonna read a little bit of this email so hang in there with me and there's a little bit of typos so i'm gonna go with we'll go with it i'm not gonna name who it is because yeah just because this one's a little bit different but if you write emails at Aaron at BattleReadyPodcast.com. We love the emails, good or bad. Most and, of them are positive. And you should let us know if you mind them being read and if you'd like for your name to be mentioned. Yeah, because I kind of threw the last, the one of our our new friends under the bus. But we I love to ask, mention you. We love, yeah, we love, we love the feedback. So if you send an email, say, I'm happy for you guys to use my name and read this on air. Yeah, or if you don't, we might use it. Anyways. We'll use it on air, but we won't, we'll not mention your name. Okay, so here, here we go, here we go, here we go. Hey, Aaron, I love the podcast and I love listening to you and your dad. You're both very realistic and all people in the faith world, you guys speak what's in your mind most of the time in terms of faith is all about. I go back and forth with the same atheistic thinking your dad was talking about as well, which I think was in our last episode. You kind of made a mention of that, but definitely have a strong faith now. Every time I listen to Mosaic, your dad's message or the podcast Something feels a bit off, like in italics. Is this really God's message? But I still love it because it's so relevant and more applicable than most faith-based talks. I don't like the term, quote-unquote, religious or Christian. I just finished listening to today's message, and I have to be honest, it kind of scares me spiritually to think what I'm listening to cannot be legit. I This is the third <laughs> dig on you? I'm so sorry. I do get that it's a podcast, meaning it's a convo and not a sermon. But your dad's worry, your dad's words carry major weight. I know you all definitely have good intentions, but the thing that's a bit off is that Jesus slash God are never really talked about. You bring up God more than your dad does. Do I get points for that? <laughs> Which I respect more than anything and wait <laughs> and wait for because a lot of people could BS all day and talk philosophy. Also, most people can't talk philosophy all day. It's truth that we're all after. It's truth that's gold right now. The messages are way more on self. I'm not sure what that means. Which I oh about about yourself, your inner world. Which I understand why, but I hate to compare it to the whole, you know, other major preacher kind of. He, she lists some other preachers, and I'm not gonna throw them under a bus because they're our friends, kind of thing. But the message of Jesus and God aren't really talked about. This is a long email. Is it okay? I keep going. Yeah, keep going. Like today. From what I understood, your dad was saying maybe Jesus won't return slash he already has returned and inside of us. That's like some new age thinking that's most deaf a red flag. Matthew 24 isn't really revelations. It 
it's Jesus talking. And I love how your dad once said that whatever Jesus says is something he goes by for sure. <laughs> she listened to the cross was a thing you did on Zoom. So I don't really get how he doesn't think Jesus is returning. It bummed me out because I reference your church to a lot of people who don't really believe in God, but this one convo caught me really off guard, as I honestly do believe Jesus will return literally. I never thought that was a debatable thing. Your dad's thoughts were amazing, but if it could have been done, I think it would have. Us becoming a new people and making the new earth beautiful here and now. She kind of gives us a sweet ending. By the way, not judging you slash your dad at all, completely love both your perspectives, just really want it to be true, because as mentioned, that's all I'm really after at the end of it all. Much love. There's a lot there. She also said some other things, but it's but I but it doesn't matter. She loves you. No, I don't know if she did. She this is this is this this is this is this has been my dilemma my whole life. That they that I'm either loved in association or hated in association, but there is no in between. It is never be like. The, it, is, it is the greatest example of the sins of the father. <laughs> <laughs> Passed on to the children. Passed yeah. on. But it's like everything from my freshman year in college. When you're, I was already super nerdy in high school. Mm -hmm. Mom dressed me. I, for, I was underdeveloped 14-year-old. I think I might have been still 13. I, was, I had a pink roller backpack. I had a sweater vest on my first day. I had a part down the middle. I had braces. I was about five foot four. Nothing wrong if you if you're vertically challenged, but you know you're a six like one, um, claiming to be five ten, and that bothers me because I'm actually five ten and you are not five ten. But anyways, you really let some things happen to me in high school. <laughs> then we get to college in my freshman year, day one. I decided to go to like a Christian school because it's the only school that would let me in, and I was an underachiever. And all of a sudden, there you are. Not just you, but your whole staff. And you're opening up my freshman year of university. I'm the speaker for the convocation, the whatever, for the whole university. The keynote speaker for the welcome to this university. And it didn't go well for me. No, by the next day, you were, you were branded. The most, the, the son of a heretic. The scarlet letter was on your forehead. I had the big, dark, I don't know. H. The H for going to hell. <laughs> and heretic. And heretic. And, you know, all the things. But but I'm loyal. We're Latin. I'm loyal. You mess with my dad, you mess with me. And you mess with my son, you mess with me. So I don't think she <laughs> likes me more than you. I just, I, but it was a really interesting thing. And I want you to break down this email a bit because I think you have the insight as we were talking a little bit before because at the end of the day, we've gotten kind of used to being critiqued. Sure. Of course. And okay. I, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if we were not willing to take criticism and critique. We, right. and, and in fact, I don't think this podcast, I don't think Battle Ready would even be Battle Ready if we didn't create some controversy. Yeah, it's and, about facing the battles we come across every day of our life. And sometimes those battles are in the world of ideas and yes. beliefs. Now, first of all, I want to say I've read some pretty hostile emails, and that's not one. That's no. not a, that's not a hostile email. In fact, what I hear her, what I hear is a. I'm assuming it's a girl, a woman. Yes, I, I hear a cry for help, a cry for help that says, "I actually really like what you guys are saying, and I'm terrified that it's wrong. Help me, help me, help you, <laughs> get it right." And if you're listening to this and you're like, "I'm not religious at all," mm -hmm. we would say the same thing. <laughs> yes, I think that I think there's a, there's so many things there I would love for us to address. Yes, um, but. Um, and I'm not even sure what order in which to do them, but I would say that like she was addressing the podcast about, is this the end of the world? Right. And she's very concerned because she's always believed that Jesus is coming back. Right. And she heard me saying that Jesus is not coming back, which is not what I said. Okay. So, but it's because but you did talk about like heaven. Yes. What I said, heaven is, what I said is Jesus has already come back and he lives and in, he lives within us. Okay. Now, anyone who actually understands the Bible that believes it would have to agree with that because they would say that when you accept Jesus into your heart, into your life, right. that He's in, that He fills you with the Holy Spirit, right. and if, you're filled if, with His being. Right. Anyone who believes that God comes to dwell within us believes that Jesus has come back. Right. They just don't use that language because it doesn't fit a historical narrative. Mm. And so I didn't say He wasn't coming back again. I actually do believe He is coming back again. 
And but I don't. But I. But I think that our language is too limited because when we say Jesus is coming back again, we're we're actually declaring that He's not here. And so I think that language actually betrays us because if we believe He's here, then how can He keep be coming back? Right. And 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 what I'm saying is that we've emphasized the wrong thing for two thousand years. Yep. And and so so there's some, but that's just the specific answer to. Um, a much bigger question, because what, what the problem is that you, you're not sure if what I'm saying is right, and yet what I also hear you saying is that it seems the most right. You listen to us, you listen to the Battle Ready podcast, you listen to Mosaic, because it resonates with you, it's relevant to your life, it's helpful to what you're going through, you're just not sure if she it's... She recommends it to friends. Yeah, but you're not sure if it's biblical. Now, here, here's the real dilemma. Are you saying... That you would, oh man, buckle up. That you are well. more committed to the Bible than you are to truth. Because if you're moving toward truth and you think it moves you away from the Bible, then we're in real trouble. See, one of the things I would say to you is that Jesus was never afraid of the truth wherever it came from, that Jesus always moved toward the truth and he violated their Bible. He was constantly violating the Bible of the Hebrews because he did not see or interpret the Bible the way they saw and interpreted the Bible. What I would say is that you're going through the same dilemma. You've been taught things that you believe is biblical, but they're not necessarily biblical. And whenever you feel that pursuing truth moves you away from the Bible, you misunderstood the Bible. Keep going. I'm, I'm not going to interrupt you. This is, this is amazing. No, and, and so the reason you have, I think the reason some people feel attention with me is that um, I do not use Bible language to pretend I'm seeing the world biblically. Amen. <laughs> but I do think I, I do think we put this under the Christian genre in the spiritual religious section on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you you know I don't think that's a thing on YouTube because we kind of like to stand in that in between of going like. We're not associating with you people who are religious because we like you. We, it's because we care for you. Yeah. But it's not necessarily because we agree with you or even resonate with you. If anything, it's to be, be who we are and, and, and express the truth we have come to know through mm-hmm. Jesus or through life or through philosophy, X, Y, Z. But also to go like, I am, it was, a, it, was a, it was a distinction I made when I was younger and I came back from New York City and I, and I didn't ever really love church. I didn't like mm. church. I loved Jesus, but I didn't live like him. But a lot of it was because I didn't like the people who lived like him either. And we stand in kind of this space, and I go, especially when I meet people, they go, you're really religious, huh? And I'm like, no, I'm really not religious. Right. I'm really faith. I'm really like someone who's faithful. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of faith. If anything, we're mystical. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's stuff going on around us, and, we, and only when you become attuned to it do do you start to accept that into your understanding that not everything is just black and white or just mm-hmm. cause and effect, that there is so much more. That it's not just the material world. Not just the material. There's a supernatural world. There's a spiritual world. There's dark and there's light. And But I do think this, that when I came back, you were so specific about what kind of language I brought into the space that I was coming back into. Yes. And I was so churchy. Yeah, you, you were a part of a great church in New York. Awesome people, awesome church. Uh, but you learned so much Christian churchy language that you didn't actually fit the culture here. And it, and it didn't fit, it definitely didn't fit your culture. Mm-hmm. And only like the super Christian people that grew up in church understood yeah. what I was saying. That's true. A lot of people here actually really appreciated really it. It was the and first so, time they felt like there was an insider. But then we would have this conversation, <laughs> me and you, of like, mm-hmm. what is it about us that, that, that causes us to create our own internal language? Because I had this realization. This, mm-hmm. another, am I talking too much? Is no, okay this is I, good. I had this conversation with, with like a new friend and... And I and and then I like having all this conversation, and I made this new friend, and then I was like talking to my other friends. Like, I don't know if I could bring a new friend into my old my my other friends, not my old friends, but my my friends that I've had more history with, mm-hmm. because there's so much insider language, there's so many internal jokes, there's so many like we don't we, there's just crazy things, 
And there's this history that I'm like, oh, do we create things that alienate other people because we're so focused on our internal conversations that we don't ever actually look outside of ourselves to think what other people could, uh, would feel if they were sitting in the room with us? Yes. And I, you know what came to mind when you're saying that was, have you ever had like a dinner where everyone spoke a different language but you? Yes, every time I go to Mexico. And then you have to have someone who's willing to interpret for you. Yes, thank you, Roy. <laughs> and and uh, Christianity has become this insider dinner where a person outside of faith cannot understand what we're saying, and but no one is willing to be an interpreter. So we're like, we're the opposite. Yes. We've, we've, we've stripped away the Christian language, the religious language, and we really use a very open source human language that, that anyone who walks in would feel comfortable understanding. And we kind of leave it up to the spiritual experience, the, the Holy Spirit, the experience that would happen. Someone might encounter God in that moment to fill the space, not yes. our words. And what I think is funny is like people say to me, how did you learn how to communicate this way? I'm going, well, it's, it was, it's called being a human being. Okay. It's, it's, it's religion. So are you saying we're inhumane um, when we're our in our language most religious is inhumane, yes. Because you learn the language that's an insider language to let people know that they don't belong. And I just refused to accept that language. What's interesting to me is because I'm a linguist in huge part. I love languages. English is my second language. And Which is crazy. What's your first language? Spanish. Okay. And, um, and people would ask me, well, how, how is it possible as a first-generation immigrant that you don't speak English with an accent? It's, and, I, and I would explain it's because I'm a good listener because accents are all about listening. And when you listen, you actually learn how other people communicate. And what I would say is that Mosaic speaks human without an accent. That when a person who doesn't believe in God listens to us, the language makes sense. But what happens is that the Christian feels like there's something off. See, what's off is all the religious jargon. What's off is that you're not hearing the cliches that make you comfortable. What's off is that we're not hitting all the emotional buttons that make you certain of your belief system. I think the Christian... Sorry. No, go ahead. Is that a natural space to kind yep. of jump in? I think the church and the religious space has some of the most key, fundamental key marketing tools <laughs> to Christians. Absolutely. When, when people say, amen... And they expect an amen, and I've done these. Mm -hmm. They expect an amen back. It is an insider marketing trait that when you hear, oh, he said amen. He said in Jesus' name. He said, can I hear you, you know, clap for this? Or yeah. do there is like, there's these social cues. And what it ends up doing is it feels like it's this like, you know, religious chiropractor that's like getting you aligned with all the other super religious people and not actually to, like, all of humanity. See, and i got to be honest, to me, it feels super culty. And it feels so culty. And We've been in some, some and even though places. even though I have great respect for the people, I feel like what they've learned is very culty. And what they've learned is, um, is a way of being popular with people who already believe rather than being relevant to people who are struggling to believe. And so, and then I would go like to our podcast and we, we started battle ready. See, I, 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 as a listener, I want you to understand, I never for one moment thought to myself, oh, I'm starting a Christian podcast or a faith podcast. Uh, I, to me, like we were going to start a, a podcast that has meaningful conversations about everything on the spectrum of culture every, and everything that we're interested in, everything that catches our attention. And and what I think is fascinating is that the very same people who will go to a hundred different movies and love the movies, even though they never mentioned Jesus, think that, quote, if you're a pastor, you're supposed to only talk about Jesus all the time. Mm. And, or, you, you know, you're going to go watch a basketball game or a football game, but you're not watching it because they're talking to you about Jesus the whole time. You're watching it because you love sports. And what I think is so interesting is that the moment a person identifies himself as, quote, a Christian or as a pastor, um, you're suspect if you talk about anything else except for Jesus. Now, we want, our, we want like our, our governors or our presidents to be Christians, but if they talked about Jesus the whole time, we would think it'd be a little weird. We think they should be talking about policy. They should be talking about uh, foreign policy and domestic policy and economics. And we, they should be talking about how to fight a quarantine or a pandemic. 
We expect people in the real world to talk about real things. We expect pastors to only talk about doctrine. And sometimes it feels a bit like Harry Potter, which is a movie I love. And <laughs> yes. I, make this in, I make this joke that I'm like, it's like you all of a sudden realize there's this whole other world of like witches and witchcraft, like wizards that have these secret alleyways behind London and there's flying owls that send letters. And and anyone in the Christian uh, world know, knows that we have our Harry Potter sections. And we and it's just sometimes so weird. I love Harry Potter. I don't always love, I definitely don't love religion. I definitely don't love organized religion. I do think what we are is different. I think we have a community of people that are actually, I think most places where tribes and communities exist, mm -hmm. it is like-minded thinking. I think our community is very different in its mindset. Mm -hmm. People believe very different things when it comes to like how to live life, how to vote, how to mm -hmm. spend their money, how to raise their kids. But we come together on a commonality and a common thing that we do believe in God. We do believe in Jesus. But but I, oh, okay, well, but they believe you believe in Jesus. They do. But, <laughs> so so let me just like take a moment here and say I believe in Jesus. Jesus has changed my life, and. Um, the scriptures have informed all my life and all my mindset and worldview. And the, the difference is that um, when I became a follower of Jesus, um, I was convinced that God was a God of truth and that he did not want any limit to my thinking around doctrine, but he wanted me to be holistic in my understanding of life and language. You, you, you actually were saying it's really more about language. And let me yeah. just so let me just give a moment of example about language. Here's the difference: is that um, Jesus used language that was very peculiar. He talked to the masses and said, "You're salt and you're light," and he talked to uh, his disciples and said, uh, "Look at the field. You know, it's ripe for harvest." He um, he was, stood at a well talking to a Samaritan woman and says, "I'm the living water." He uh, talked about being the bread of life. And so what's happened 2,000 years later, will happen a long time before now, but what's yeah. happened over the um, you know, last 1,000 years is we've taken that language said, that's biblical language. So if you want to be biblical, you have to say Jesus is the bread of life. We have to say there's living water available to you. We have to say, look at the fields, they're ripe to harvest. We have to use the words Jesus used to be biblical. And, and so we have churches that are Living Water Church and uh, Bread of Life Church yeah. and, and, uh, and, and even the ones that are cool. You know, you have Ecclesia, which is the Greek word for church. And so we have to use, uh, we, we have Mars Hill, which is a place in the Bible that's described, even though it's a pagan place and uh, where Greeks worship false gods, we have the word Mars Hill, but it's, quote, biblical because it's in the Bible. Here is how narrow and shallow and superficial our thinking is. If it's in the Bible, it's biblical. But Jesus didn't talk about bread of life because it was in the Old Testament. He didn't talk about living water because it's in the Old Testament. He didn't say, the, look at the fields or ripe to harvest because they're in the Old Testament. He wasn't quoting the Bible. He was looking around and he saw a field of wheat and said, look at the wheat. He saw a well and he said, look at the well. He saw some bread. He said, look at the bread. He saw fishermen and said, you're going to be fishers of men. Boom. There you go. Right. You see, so he was he, the greatest rapper of all time. Right. But if Jesus had been biblical, he would have been quoting Moses saying, right, you're going to be fishers of men. But Moses never said that. It was, it was, it was, it was part the Red Sea mixtape one and two because he definitely did it twice. <laughs> it, I, I, what you're saying is that it was contextual language for the times. Right. So what the way I'm being measured See, the way you feel uncomfortable with my language is the same way the people who listened to Jesus were uncomfortable with his language. He was not using biblical language. He was using human language. And 2,000 years later, we need to stop pretending we're biblical just because we use biblical images. Because we all pretend to be farmers. <laughs> I, 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 and, and what I explained to this girl, woman, it could be a guy, actually, but I don't think it is. It just it gave the initials. Person. Person. What I responded to when I read this email, when I responded to her... What I said to this person is that I don't actually think the issue is my dad's beliefs. Because you're drawn to what he's saying. You, you even share it. Like you, like, you know how big of a deal it is to share with your friends? Like, there, there, there's moments where I don't want to share things I said with my friends, right? <laughs> but you obviously share it for a reason. You, you, it resonates with your soul, but you feel uncomfortable about it. And, and, I, and I explained that story of me coming from New York to LA. Mm -hmm. And But what had happened was I found people that I really resonated with, and so I started picking up their language. People who meet me oftentimes like, 
do you have an Australian accent? I'm like, no. Do you, have a, do you have a Southern accent? No. I, but sometimes I do because I picked up isms from people that I really respected who were both Southern. You're a really and, good listener, so you always pick up the accents wherever you are. Because, And you know what? Because <laughs> Joel Houston and, and all the Australians were really cool and great and kind people. And Carl Lenz was powerful and had so much authority, and I looked up to him so much. So you pick up, and I look. I now I've 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 picked up your hand motions. <laughs> like when you respect someone, and when you're around them, and when you you feel like you're loved, you start picking up things that the tribe has. I just need to send you just to hang around TD Jakes for a while, so you come back some of that. <laughs> I'll come back with a low voice. And, uh, and then <laughs> it's Do amazing. You but this is why this believe. is so important, by the way. Yes. Um, your struggle isn't with me. Your struggle is attention between truth and belief. Mm. And whenever truth begins to violate your beliefs, you get nervous. And, uh, and by the way, I, this podcast, even if I never say Jesus's name, it's always informed by who Jesus is in my life. Yeah. And, and I think it's more important to be informed by God than it is to always using God's name. I think a lot of people use God's name and they're not carrying forward either the values or the mindset or um, the culture that reflects who God is. I mean, historically, even just in this country, so many people, powerful people have used, have done evil things in God's name. Absolutely. Slavery being one of the largest, biggest, most important things. How were these slave owners, plantation owners, reading the same scriptures that we read today, mm -hmm. seeing that like this is wrong, and going in Jesus' name, I'm going to do this. Yeah. How how do we look? How do we look back and contextualize? I mean, we've talked about this a lot. You you can't look back and judge them for every single thing that you've done or that they, they've done. But what you can go back and do is learn from it. Right. And go. I'm not going to judge them for it. It was wrong, but we're going to make this better and. How do we build on top of a new language? Yeah, well, I think that's, that's the first step to understanding and, and engaging this podcast the best, is realizing that um, we, we are extricating all the religious language from this conversation. Mm -hmm. That if, there is an, if there's a truth to be communicated, and I'm not able to communicate it without Christianese or churchy language, then I don't understand that truth. Wow. And you're really about taking the truth that might be covered in a religious jargon and stripping it down to what people make, to, to the most, to the simplest of the idea, mm -hmm. to the inception of the idea, and yeah. bringing the true purpose out of something. Yeah. And so you'll probably never, well, I, I don't want to say never, um, it'll be rare for you to listen to this podcast and go, oh, good, he's saying things the way I need him to say them. Yeah. I've always uh, wanted you to say things the way I'd like to hear them. <laughs> I really have. Just to get personal with it. I feel this way too. <laughs> this, but, but I think, what is it about us mm -hmm. that we have to question someone's validity, someone's faith, someone's right. connected to God or to mm -hmm. whoever they say they're connected to because they're not using the language we're so familiar with. Right. We become... We, what, we, we, I think we're so easy to judge on mm -hmm. so many levels, but we're just talking right. about this facet of feeling comfortable sure. inside of a spiritual setting. Yeah, well, why, what is it about us from your question that has to work from absolute frameworks? Like how about um, Aaron and Erwin McManus are, are provocative. They're insightful. They, they say things that make me think. I agree with them sometimes. I disagree with them sometimes. Sometimes I, 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 they really resonates with me, and sometimes it, it maybe makes me nervous. Yeah. And then going, but I, I find them to be really a valuable source of, of, of conversation. Like, why do you have to agree with me all the time? Like, why, why, why do I need we, to always get it right but, for you? But that's the, th <laughs> but that's the thing. That's the thing. We are incapable, and this is the theme on this show: is mm -hmm. how to think and how to be friends with people who think differently than you. But I think this is more than anything the truest testament to the fact that we are most of us, and I'm not saying we, who is we? Mm -hmm. I am not that. But sometimes I am. Like mm -hmm. I want to just hang out with people that make me feel comfortable and that seem like me sometimes, yeah. even though all my friends are diverse. Mm -hmm. But that's just the context of the city we're in. 
Would your close friends be your close friends without the insider language? Yeah, I mean, you mean for me personally? Just in general, or is it just natural that yeah. that over that as humans we create yeah. insider things, language? Insider language. Yeah, I think that the people who connect to me best are the ones who have a more open language, and they and they get it. And you know, it's funny because a good example of my own, you know, crisis of faith would be, you know, the Clippers go ahead oh. three to one against the Nuggets. The Nuggets come back and win the next two, and so it's you know they end up being tied three three, and then I get texts from all my friends going, "What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Are the Clippers going to win? Are the Clippers going to win? Are the Nuggets going to win?" And I and I I sent the response. My response is what I know for certain is that the best team will win Game Seven. No, I don't want the best team to win Game Seven. <laughs> I want to win Game Seven. I want us to no, win Game and, Seven. And you know what we we think that being biblical is knowing Nuggets are going to win or knowing Clippers are going to win. And, and what this podcast is about is about the, the principle that goes above the application. See, what I know is the way that these sports are designed with Game 7s is that it's one of the best processes for the best team to win. And whether we like it or not, like you can argue later, you know, well, the Nuggets were better or the Clippers were better, but... I've seen this process for years now, and, and, and what, I, what I have to accept is, whether it's my team or not, that the way it's set up, it's highest percentage that the best team actually does advance. And this is the problem. In faith, we want the person who can tell us who's going to win rather than why they're going to win. See, and on Battle Ready, people want me to tell them what to do rather than how to think. I'm going to be honest. I'm one of those people. I would like for you to tell me what exactly to do and how to do it and how I'll be successful if I do it. I want to be reassured. Yes. But I want to be reassured in so many things in my life. I, I talk to you all the time. I think sometimes I come off very confident, a little arrogant, sometimes ignorant. <laughs> Previously, maybe a little cocky. But then, you know, it's like, it's such a humbling experience to lose in game seven. Mm-hmm. It's so humbling experience. It's such a humbling experience to, 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 I don't want to bring up my personal life. So I'm going to bring it up. All right. No, but it's so, it's just a humbling experience to go on a date and be like, I have to convince someone to, and like people, you. and then people are going to get really mad about that. Well, you have to convince anyone if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Like God doesn't really work like that with me. He's, I think, <laughs> I do think that God works in, a, like God is giving me everything I've asked for. And so it's a challenge, two challenges. One, like, do I dream bigger, ask for more? Or am I faithful to the little things and then it's going to grow into no, no, the big I'm gonna, things? I'm going to push back. Oh, no. I'm going to push back. I'm sorry. When you say I've got to convince this person like to like me. Is that, is that so unhealthy? Yes, because oh, no. it, it, it just shows that you're, you're not secure enough to believe someone will like you just the way you are. I think sometimes I'm too self-aware or just unaware, and I just go like, will anyone like me? Because I don't know if I always like me. Yes, like and- me. <laughs> so what I, what I mean with that, though, is that, that we yeah. all have... So, so in the conversation, when we're hanging out with someone that you don't know, that it's new, you know, at first it's like, there's no worries when you're just friends. Right. And then there's like an intention, and you're like, okay... So then the language shifts because the language, everything has intention and you're walking on kind of glass. But then the only times it ever works out is if it's not that hard. That hard. Yeah, there, there has you to... You overthink it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that one of the hardest things in the world is to believe that someone is enjoying being with you. And, and, and the ironic thing is that usually if you're enjoying that person, they're enjoying you. Hmm. And it doesn't mean it's always... What's you know what's going to come together, or you're going to be there together permanently. But, but um, it's funny because we're talking about language, but a lot of it is finding a common language. The more things you can talk about naturally, the deeper the relationship goes. The fewer things you can talk about naturally, the the, the sooner you'll come to a dead end in that relationship. Because, um, you, you know, I mean, this is I think a dilemma. A lot of people is that a lot of people move very, very fast to physical intimacy. A lot of people start having sex really quick in the relationship. And what ends up happening is that sex is a shortcut to intimacy. And so when you don't know how to build intimacy, you have sex. And because sex feels like you're being intimate. And, and it actually circumvents the process toward intimacy because you, you need to talk. 
Then what is intimacy then? Because if because because I I have a, I have a good friend who who asked me like what are the rules in mm-hmm. all this stuff? What are the rules in dating? What are the rules in being in a relationship? No one taught me these things. There is no you know I, I get the Ten Commandments. Hmm. Yeah, but, but I don't it, get what yeah. I'm supposed to do in a one-on-one relationship all the time. And and one of the one of the best outcomes of actually waiting to have sex until you're married is that you have to build the relationship on communication. And rather uh, than than on sex. Well, I have a whole plethora of things I would like to say about that thing, but but I but I do I do really I do really think that you're right. Communication, the the connection of our languages. I think sometimes we I think sometimes we're more physical because we're just filling the gap of of that awkward silence. Right, because you asked what intimacy is, and to me, intimacy is someone uh, truly knowing you mm. and you truly knowing someone else. And that's why sex can, can uh, feign itself as intimacy. Because when you're having sex, it feels it is the most intimate act between two human beings. And the way you can know that you've actually circumvented intimacy is after it's over, you have this emptiness. And it actually there's a disconnection there and there's a loss of yourself. And you know, I sound old school, but I'm telling you when, you, when you treat sex like a commodity, you actually lose a part of yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the way I try to explain it is because I've I've been on both sides of pure and impure, and and I have great people who've helped me kind of come come to a healthy understanding of why I need to be living in the healthiest place for my soul. Mm-hmm. So I think the church revolves around like you, know, you got the Catholic Church, it's like you're going to hell if you do anything mm-hmm. of sin until right. you confess, and if you don't confess, then you then you're going. Yeah. And then you have Christianity, who we say we're free when we step into Christ. And I, I think I made a comment on a podcast we didn't actually put out on one that one that we kind of just like threw away. But I said, um, I said, you know, when you come to Jesus, they say like Jesus changes you immediately and everything changes. And you, and then I said, no, that's not true. And and I was thinking about it because I wrestled with it a lot. And I was like, no, no, it, it is true. Everything changes, but it's more like a boulder. <laughs> Right, like it's 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 now rolling, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's on you to pick up the momentum to continually keep your soul in the healthiest space. And so, when it comes to like relationships, or when it comes to sex, or when it comes to like what are the rules, I think it really is what determines, or not what determines, but what makes your soul healthy. Absolutely. What, That's so good. What brings the most health to mm-hmm. your soul mm-hmm. and that emptiness that comes mm-hmm. post-sex or post-hookup or post-whatever you know whatever it may be, I think that's the feeling going, okay, that was actually not the intended, it, that actually wasn't the intention for that moment. The, mm-hmm. For that moment was to be fully on the same page in, 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 in communication. You're actually communicating with each other at an intimate level. And then I think we, we, were, we take that, I think, religious organizations take that guilt and go, this is why you need Jesus. Mm-hmm. But like, what if you have Jesus and you still are just trying to figure <laughs> out the guilt? Right? Yeah, that's why. That's why a, we have, a, we have <laughs> that's why priests will always have to communicate. <laughs> and this is why priests will always have an income and why churches will be filled with, with guilty people. Yeah. I don't know if we ever get to that place. And I think there's a huge miscommunication with that in our churches of like, how do we get to a place where we are actually fully free and at an understanding Mm-hmm. of what God has intended for us. Yeah, I remember years ago, this journalist came to Mosaic from New York to do a, uh, an article. And and when we were uh, debriefing over coffee later, she said, I've been listening to your messages and you never moralize. And I said, what do you mean by that? She goes, you never tell people what to do. You don't tell them how to live their life in terms of like right and wrong and sin. And um, and I, told her, I said, you know, it's really interesting. There, there are like different approaches even toward coaching. Hmm. Like some people coach by telling you everything you're doing wrong. Right. And some people coach by telling you what you could do right. Hmm. And What kind of coach are you? I try to elevate people by showing them the extraordinary human being they can become. I'm a bad coach. <laughs> <laughs> I walk in angry. And, uh, oh, I could be so much better. And so I... You know, I always tell people, I said, look, when you become fully alive, you run out of time to sin. <laughs> and, uh, so rather than focusing on everything I want you to stop doing, I'm going to focus on everything I want you to do and, and literally fill your life with so much wholeness that you run out of the stuff that keeps you broken. That's an interesting statement in and of itself, that you mm-hmm. don't have enough time to sin. 
Mm-hmm. And I think we've talked a lot about what this idea of sin yeah. is. Which is a word we I don't use that often. No, but we've also, which brings to the next thing, we always also get in a lot of trouble. Right, because I don't use the word sin enough. Or hell. Or hell Or enough. the devil. Or even my wife says you should use hell more. Or the, de- or the devil. You <laughs> or don't the ever, devil. and I, I was explaining this to yeah. my friend. I'm like, I think a lot of pastors talk, or, or faith people, religious people talk about the hero and the villain. But to justify the hero, you have to make the villain equally as powerful. Yeah. But it isn't actually biblical. That's right. You're right. Right? Yeah. So, so we live in a world, we live in a mental mm-hmm. construct that can't actually fathom the spiritual construct. Right. Right? That, that we, we, you know, I think mom said she had a friend who said, you know, there's demons under every rug. And I was like, mom, that isn't true. Because not everyone has a rug. I don't have a rug. <laughs> My only rug is in this room. Okay, here's a perfect example, going back to the email. Okay. All right. I, I, I want to say biblical language, but I don't believe that's true. So I'm going to say Christian language has an unbiblical view of Satan. Christianity, right. Christianity I'm going to say this as a blanket statement. Christianity has an unbiblical view of Satan. Because when you hear modern Christianity talk about the devil, and I, I'm amazed, like on my Instagram, I, all these preachers pop up, it's almost like every scroll is about the devil. And you'd think that, that we worship the devil and not Jesus, because that's so much of the dominant conversation. So much, like the devil's trying to get you. But, You're having a hard day, it's the devil. But here's the thing, that the devil is not all-powerful, the devil is not all-knowing, and the devil is not all present. Only we are the same person. I used to the same conversation in that. Yeah, only God is. And but what's happened is Christianity uses a language about the devil as if the devil's everywhere. The devil cannot be everywhere because he's not God. With Christianity uses a language about the devil that he knows your every thought, and he's involved in every aspect of your life, tempting you. He cannot do that because uh, he can't. He's not all knowing. In my head, I'm like, I talk to myself all the time. Does he know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I talk to myself out loud. Yeah, and uh, if the devil was inside of some of our brains, he'd get so confused. And and then he's not all-powerful. When people are like, living in this mindset, they're constantly under the oppression or, or possession of the devil. And I'm going, the devil is not all-powerful. And we attribute to the devil the same attributes as God. It's what you said. We need a villain equal to the hero. Well, Jesus is the hero, but the villain is not equal to the villain to the hero, and they're not anywhere near equal. And um, and so I was going in to speak one time at this church, and I saw the sign right before I walked on the podium said, "Not today, devil, not today." Oh, uh, tell the devil no, not today. Is that a song or something like that? It is. It and, is. It doesn't change it. You can tell me that I'm got to be censored, but I'm not censoring this. It right. is a song. We didn't write it. Our I didn't know did. it was a song. I just saw it right before I walked in, and I thought, "Oh no." I said, really? Like, literally in my mind, I thought to myself, I'm about to walk on this platform on Sunday morning to open up the Bible and talk about what is on God's mind. And the first, the last thing you want me to think about before I walk on the stage is the devil. I mean, why am I saying, not today, devil, not today? Because when the moment you say that, what you're thinking about is the devil. And so a person would go, Erwin doesn't believe in the devil. No, actually, I think I'm more biblical. I don't believe in the devil you've created. And I, but I do believe in the, uh, the Satan that the scriptures talk about. And I do believe in the devil that Jesus uh, engaged and confronted. So then why is it such a topic of conversation? Is it because when it comes to organizations, there has to be a level of fear and control? I think it's... Or is it self-mandated? I think some of it is that... Um, religion, whether right or wrong, good or uh, evil, or um, connected truth or not, is all born out of some level of superstition. And you know, you see, you're too young, but there used to be a comedian called Flip Wilson, and definitely don't know who that is. And he would say, "The devil made me do it," and that was like his big punchline: "The devil made me do it." And and I thought, wow, the only person who still believes that are Christians, and. Uh, and I think that, you know, when people go, oh, that was the devil, and they go, no, that's just your stupidity. Like, yeah. stop attributing to something spiritual, something that's just you being stupid. And, and I think a lot of it is an abdication of personal responsibility. See, I think we attribute a lot of things to, to spiritual forces and to evil and to Satan and to demons and all that stuff. 
when it's actually just you making bad choices over and over again and look in the mirror because the devil you need to overcome is the one you're looking at. And, and I just feel like there, that's one example of where we think something's biblical, um, but, it, but it isn't. And, and I think it's so important to look at the Bible. Like, I'm actually incredibly mystical because when I read the Bible, and I was told you can't use the word mystical, that that's not biblical. I thought, well, how do you describe a guy named Moses going to the desert and talking to a burning bush? I mean, how do you describe Elijah hearing God in the cave, you know, after the, the earthquake and the fire and the wind? I mean, how do you describe uh, this experience with God that you see throughout the scriptures? I mean, these men and women were, were mystics in that they were transcendent, they were connected to the God who is eternal. And uh, I believe that there is something more profound in the material world and that I am spirit and then I have a body, not that I'm a body and, and then I have a spirit. Uh, and, and I look at all the scriptures that way, but I also believe that all the universe is created with intelligence. And so that God, so intelligence exists because we're creating God's image. And so when Christians seem to be against intelligence and, I, and it makes me angry. And you know, when, when do I start, it, do you think it's a laziness, or do you think it's a, our inability to, or our unwillingness to actually go deeper into knowledge? And understanding? I think it's an arrogance that says uh, belief is absolute truth, and because once you have belief, you're not allowed to question it, and once you're once you're unwilling to question your own beliefs, you move to a level of arrogance that's actually dangerous, and that's why Christians killed other people when they disagreed with them. That's why Christians are oftentimes even the birthplace of science and yet the killer of scientists. And because we, we didn't know how to, how to deal with the fact that you raise a child to pursue truth, they're going to, they're going to discover something that makes you nervous. And, uh, and just like we discovered that the earth is not flat, just like we discovered that the sun does not revolve sure around. Yes, the sun does not revolve around the earth. Let's just nail it down, okay? Okay, we got to we got to yeah. tell a certain point guard on the nets. And uh, but we need to realize there's a difference between using the words in the Bible and having a biblical language. And what I would say is that what we're doing at Battle Ready is we're actually using the most biblical language because it's relevant, it's human, it cuts out all the garbage. And um, it, it doesn't depend on cliches. Yeah, and it's honest about what we know and don't know. I really wish you would put all of these into little videos that we could subscribe to. <laughs> that would be a cool project. I, I, I think you have such a unique way of seeing the world. You have such a unique way of communicating. You're obviously a gifted communicator who has something so much bigger on your life than just your ability to communicate. You actually resonate with, with you have this, you have a resounding like wavelength in your words that resonate with people on such a deeper level. And I think sometimes it can become almost terrifying for people because it's unachievable. Because I think you talk, we've talked about this a lot. You're like, here are the five things you can do to be a better speaker. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I cannot achieve what you are telling me to 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 accomplish. And I think so much of what you're great at is that you've spent three decades, four decades mastering language and creating new isms that are not isms. They are just normal words. <laughs> I remember when we started using the word human a lot. Yeah. Because it was not popular when it I started was, using it. No. And even then, you know, people call this out going like, you say human a lot mm -hmm. because that's what we are. Yeah. So Henry Cloud came to me and goes, you're the perfect Christian humanist. This is decades ago, and I say, what do you mean? He goes, you completely believe in Jesus, and yet you completely believe in humanity. And Jesus was actually the greatest humanist in the world. Right, because he was the one pure, true human. Mm, but he cared about humanity more than anything. That's right, and, and didn't want to wipe us out. He wanted to redeem us and, re and restore our humanity. And to me, that's actually incredibly beautiful. And yeah, so that's the language of battle ready. So I understand, well, that our language will... It will betray some people of faith. They feel like you're not using the right language. And every once in a while, I just feel like I need to go down the checklist and go, 
you know, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this, I yeah. believe this. And, and, and yet, um, you know, when, when, when I started Mosaic, I think at the beginning I wanted to integrate creativity and spirituality. Mm. But as I've grown older and maybe wiser, for me it was integration of creativity, spirituality, and intelligence. And, and, it's, uh, and I, do, I don't want to confuse academics with intelligence. Christianity is very academic, and that's everywhere Christianity is dead, it's incredibly academic. And that's why when you have universities and seminaries that treat the Bible as if it's a document uh, for academics, it's dead, there's no life there. But Christianity needs to become more intelligent, it needs to become more thoughtful. If you cannot defend your ideas without the Bible, you actually don't understand them with the Bible. Wow. And if, if your view of reality doesn't hold up without the Bible, you're in real trouble because the Bible is connected to all of creation. Otherwise, you're actually denying the fact that God created creation and the Bible. Wait, break that down for me a bit. I'm not entirely sure what you mean by that. If God spoke, if you believe in the Bible, and I do, then the same God that breathed life or truth into the Bible is the same God who breathed life into the universe. The same intelligence that created the cosmos is the same intelligence that created Colossians. And so you can't expect the universe to violate the truth of the scriptures, and you can't expect the scriptures to violate the truths of the universe, because God wrote them all. Hmm. And, uh, and just like created the truth of being human. And so when I was a, a brand new follower of Christ, uh, you know, I spent about 10 years working with urban poor and the world of violence and crime and drug cartels. And, and at first, the way I had approached the Bible was not as a theologian, but was as an anthropologist. I asked myself, can the Bible explain us? Is it the best explanation of being human? And if the Bible can explain us, it can also give us a way to regaining our humanity and our wholeness. And what I found in those 10 years of working with the most broken in society was that if you allow the biblical view of humanity to guide your life, you'll become more whole. And even now science is saying that, neuroscience is saying it, like the Bible has forever said gratitude is central to human health. Now neuroscience knows that, in fact, I was with, at this neuroclinic and they called gratitude the lubricant of the brain, that when you're ungrateful, your brain becomes rigid and incapable of handling new truth, new ideas, loses its pliability. When you're grateful, your, your brain becomes more adaptive, more pliable, more inventive, and more creative. And you, you, we're, we're now seeing that principles in the Bible like humility are actually the principal characteristics for wholeness that makes a person uh, resilient and have integrity. And, and it's interesting to me that the principles in the Bible that point us to the best expression of ourselves are now being confirmed and, uh, uh, and actually empirically proven by science, which to me is pretty extraordinary. That is incredible. Okay. So I guess in summary. That was a summary. The, the summary to me is I love that email. I do love the email. And she's asking questions I, a lot of people ask us. I do love the email. I don't love that it's still a thing. It is a thing. Yeah. But it's always going to be a thing because we well, do not speak the language that makes us an insider but if it, you grew up in church. Right. And, and, and she listed another pastor who is extremely well-known. Mm -hmm. His name is Joel Osteen. So we're saying this at the end of the podcast because who knows if we'll keep it. Name's Joel Osteen. Mm -hmm. but, and I've actually, I've had friends of mine who are close, in both LA and New York, criticize Joel Osteen. He doesn't preach the whole gospel. He doesn't, he doesn't talk about sin or hell enough. And like, because he's not a sin or hell guy. He smiles a lot. He, he's really kind. He's really intelligent. But he's also just a warm person. I mean, you can't fake that level of warmth. And I think it's ironic because I think when things are so grand, people people think that it's fake, that it's put on. Yeah, you, you know, I have to say that I, I didn't know Joel Osteen and, you know. But you and, do now. 
I, I do now. And uh, but I would have said probably his his approach to communication doesn't it wouldn't necessarily be the first approach that would resonate with me because I'm not his audience. He really cares about people who are so far away from God, so far away from Jesus, and he he's convinced that love and kindness is the best avenue to bring people to Jesus. But isn't, I'm gonna sh- isn't it odd? I know. It sounds so foreign to so many people, I think. But I'm going to share a personal story. Okay. Um, three years ago, I found I had cancer three and a half years ago. Yeah, it's been a while, four years. And I kept it completely private until the Sunday before I had surgery on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So Sunday morning here at Mosaic, I announced to the church to Mosaic that I had cancer and I was going to have surgery on Tuesday. And... Um, I walked off the stage, and this man I'd never met, didn't know anything about, um, named Joel Stein, had already sent me a text asking me how I was, telling me he was praying for me. And from what I understand, his wife, Victoria, was listening to the message while Joel was preaching in Houston. <laughs> We're not going to uh, go into that. That's their own. And, they do uh, lots of services. I yeah, a lot of services. I'm sure she probably already heard the message multiple times. The moment he got off the stage, she told him, and then he reached out to me. And I didn't even know he knew I existed. But, um, you know, when people, people, it's easy to attack people from a distance. Yeah. But I have to tell you that it was so moving to me and uh, so personally meaningful that he would reach out to me. And, and then since I, that time, I, we've had multiple times where we've talked and had times together. For Uh, the haters who were wondering. Yeah, so for every hater who's ever, you know, going, oh, this person isn't doing what he should be doing, I will tell you. it isn't even that. It isn't even that. I wish it was that. It's that person doesn't know Jesus. That person doesn't love God. This person is dishonoring and heretical and X, Y, Z, right? It isn't ever just like he's not doing what he should be doing. Yeah. It's, it's, it is, there's, and I always find it interesting because the people who are critiquing are the same people who live completely hypocritical. hypocritical lives. You, want, you don't want to say that, but yeah, or, not or doing I, nothing. Yeah, not that yeah. I, not that I haven't been hypocritical in my mm-hmm. past. I'm a hypocrite. But, but Jesus said, if you want to go back to Jesus and be biblical, he said, if they're not against us, they're for us. Oh, interesting. And because his disciples saw some people over there casting out demons, doing some really like spiritual stuff, and they said, hey, Jesus. Why don't you let us call fire down from heaven and consume them? <laughs> they said, and, uh, they as said, every loving disciple would do. And Jesus said, you know, that's not a great idea. I think that you, what, you should change your mind about humanity. If they're not against us, they're for us. So why is it that we want to destroy everyone who's for us when they're not against us? I know. And, and he's one of the kindest people. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes it it's just feels good to hate people who are doing it better than us. Or more effective than us, or maybe just better human beings than us. So well, it's like the tall poppy syndrome, except yeah. where he's just like the tallest, tallest poppy. <laughs> and so it's it's like an oak tree inside of a poppy field. Yeah, and so you know, I look at it and go, um, mosaic is so different than Lakewood. Yeah, and and you know, I could never be Joel Osteen, and I don't think Joel would ever want to be me. Um, but it's really nice to be able to say. I've, I've, we've eaten together, you know, um, we've spent time together and I've always been amazed going, wow, this guy is the nicest guy on the earth. I wish I were this kind. I wish I could be this good of a human being. Well, if you wish it, I have no chance. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, maybe a part of ending the podcast, it would be like when you send us questions, I think a part of the framework is that we're taught to look for reasons to be against someone. And rather, we should start looking for reasons to be for each other. Right. And I hope on this Battle Ray podcast, sometimes um, I say things that um, you go, yeah, I don't know, I can't go there with him. Um, I hope sometimes Aaron says things that, you know, uh, you'll go, I'm not sure about that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, because we may come back later in a different podcast and go, we've been rethinking that or we've changed each other's minds. Because the whole point of this podcast is to have conversations on the journey of learning. Uh, Aaron and I have not arrived. We're not even sure if we've, we're very far off the starting line. <laughs> but I, think, I think you lapped me a few times. But, but I think this, for me as your dad, this is one of the most meaningful conversations I have every week. And so I want to thank you for bringing provocative conversations. And I want to invite people to send their questions. 
Send their questions. Send their questions. And, and with that, we're going to bring this to an end. And I want to thank you because that was one of my favorite conversations that we have had on how to have conversations and how to <laughs> understand different languages. But I want to just say thank you. And I, I love you so much. And, and as we close this out, we, we, we are the Battle Ready Podcast. Hey, I love you, bud. Love you too.